welcome to the Bro Novo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Welcome, my friends, to another week's episode of the Bro Novo Podcast. This week, my guest is Lockie Stewart. Lockie runs the Man That Can Project, through which he helps men build more muscle, meaning, momentum, and mateship by mastering eight essential areas of life. Lockie shares his story about how he went from being a athlete his whole life, professional rugby player, how cool is that? And then it turns out those things didn't really fulfill him, and he ended up hitting a rock bottom and had to build himself back up piece by piece. And he shared in a really awesome, transparent, and authentic way that story and the mistakes he made, what he learned from them, and how he approaches helping other men improve their own lives. So massive thank you to him. It was a great conversation, and I know you'll enjoy it. So that's it for me this week. Enjoy your holidays, and we'll see you next Thursday on the Bro Nouveau Podcast. And we're off to the races, Lockie. What's up, you ledge? Mate, I'm going really well. I'm super pumped for this. I love connecting. Oh, I guess for me, I'm so excited that we can actually connect over technology now. I was saying to a buddy the other day, like how lucky and fortunate we are that we can actually do this, connect with people all around the world uh, and have conversations like what we've just been having offline. Totally, man. I agree. I actually had a psychologist on, psychiatrist, excuse me, who you should totally talk to. His name's uh, Christian Heim. He's Australian. Oh, really? And yeah. um, he he made the same point, but he also was pointing out how it's kind of funny how we don't connect with people in our immediate environments as much. Kind of like with the te- techno- technological connections, we've lost that like soft touch in person. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's almost like a cop-out for some people. And, uh, you know, I miss the whole dating app um, period, I guess, because when I was last single, uh, it was sort of taboo to go on Tinder and, and sort of almost shameful uh, back in the day. That was oh, like really? 20, 2012 in Australia, yeah. Um, so I miss that whole experience, but I now see like, you know, people are on their dating apps and they're just continuing to swipe right or whatever that, that process is and they might match with someone, but they don't stop to get to know that person. They're like, cool, match, I'll start talking, but I'm also going to keep trying to find someone else and it's it's so interesting that we don't get to or we don't even a lot of people really struggle to network to build new relationships with people that are outside their current social circle yet so many of us deep down are craving that new connection but it's like the easiest thing we've got is technology and as brilliant as it is it's very easy to you know I was going to grab my phone but like jump on Facebook or Instagram and just click follow DM and away you go as opposed to having to walk up to someone and experience yeah. all that nervousness and or anxiousness as you walk up to <laughs> far out man what am I going to say how how are they going to potentially respond whereas behind a message or social media or technology you can almost hide it out and if if it doesn't go the way you plan you just delete message whereas in the real life there's a whole whole different ball game to go go to absolutely man and i i'm someone who always goes for it in real life and when it when it works it's awesome and it's people are like exactly like you said are like really excited to talk to someone new oftentimes people 
don't even expect anyone to talk to them. So they're, they're not really paying attention and they just don't notice. I couldn't, I, I, <laughs> I remember this time. Oh, it must've been like four or five years. So for me, um, Tommy, like I started, um, when I moved back from France playing rugby, I didn't know what I was going to do. Anyway, fast forward, I got into network marketing and network marketing I'd never heard of, right? Um, and I don't know whether you've heard of it or anything like that, but essentially it was like to build your business, you had to build a network. So I was just working out any which way I could to introduce myself to people and build build relationships. I caught public transport, sat next to people on a bus and I was that. I would have been <laughs> a weird dude, but I still remember this one time when I was sitting in a doctor's surgery and I sat down next to someone and they're just sitting there looking at their phone, phone scrolling and I was just like looking there and I was like, how are you going? And uh, the person just carried on until I reckon five, ten seconds later when they realized that I was directing that question at them and they sort of look up and get all scared and look and they're like, what? This person's talking to me. I'm like, well, we're here in a, a doctor's surgery. What's going on? <laughs> like, Just to try to create conversation. So it's definitely – an awkward, awkward thing. For you though, uh, Thomas, when you sort of go to approach new people, do you ever get any nerves or anything like that or are you pretty comfortable with that? Totally. Yeah, totally, especially after COVID, man. Um, when I was single too and I would always – that was like my like card in the back of my hand with girls would be like, I'm just going to go right up and talk to you because it was such a novelty, you know? So. Yep. In that sense, it was always kind of, I like had that more comfort zone, but I think now with, with like friends and like talking to people on the street, I definitely, I still have it. Like, like last night, I think it was some French tourists came up to me and it was nighttime and the one guy came right up to me and was like, Hey man. And I was like, all right, what the fuck? Like, what do you want? You know? <laughs> You're in <laughs> my bubble, like, man. Yeah. He's like, do you know where's a cheap dinner? And I was like, oh yeah, man, go. <laughs> Go right there, like. <laughs> so this is awesome. Yeah, I, I think it is a good thing to kind of keep in mind. Just I don't know if 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 someone values it. Some people don't want anything to do with interacting with strangers. <laughs> yeah, uh, man. I I think like I personally, when I'm thinking about it as we talk now, I think there's so much value in it because we can learn so much from other people, right? Like some everyone. I believe uh, experts in something that we're not. So there's a great opportunity to learn about something or learn someone's perspective on things. But I also know that I go through moods where there's like times where I just don't want people intruding my space because I'm very, very introverted and it takes a lot of energy for me to be social and to do, um, you know, get out there and, and meet people. But if I'm feeling charged and I've had that time by myself, I'm more than happy. And my default thing is like, okay, this this is awesome. Like this is, this could be my next best mate. Who knows? But what can I learn from this person that they, you know, are excited about or, or passionate about or just even what could they tell me that I don't already know? And that's where I think the power of questions comes in and being curious about other people. But yeah, if I'm, if I'm in that, that mood where I don't want to borrow of people, I'll be pretty, not blunt, but I'll try and wrap it up pretty quickly. For sure. I had a buddy on who realized in himself that he was basically saying yes to every social in invite, but had to set a boundary with himself and be like, actually to bring the best version of myself to the other people, I need time by myself too. Um, I think where that's shown up for me is actually 
in my relationship, kind of figuring out that healthy boundary, if you will, of like how much is the right time together and not kind of becoming like lost in that. And then, you know, we talk a lot about our identities and making sure we don't lose that sense of independence. I love that, man. So I can de- yeah. definitely relate to that. I think it's important, but it's also, I'm the same with my wife. So I've been with my wife for about eight years and, you know, I've struggled with mental health and, and depression and all of these sorts of things. And at the beginning, I was ashamed of it. So I didn't really want, and one also, I didn't really know, I didn't understand my my emotions. I only really had anger and excitement. They were really the only two things that went through my head and I wasn't able to control them. So when I was excited, I was super excited. And when I was angry, I was very, very angry. So being able to then um, understand it for myself, but speak with my wife and, and share with her, you know, this is why I'm feeling this way and this is what I feel I need right now. So if I feel distant, it's not because there's challenges with us. It's more so I just need time by myself to, to whether it's to recharge or to understand what's going on in, in my own life. And I think it was extremely hard to set those boundaries and f- even be aware of what those boundaries needed to be. But over over time, it's made our relationship so much stronger uh, because she's well, like she might even pick up on my mood before I do. And she's like, Lockie, just go sit down, do your thing, go for a skate, go for a surf, read a book, whatever you, whatever it is that you need. Just, I don't want your bad attitude around here. And like, well, we'll joke about it because <laughs> we're at that point. But in the beginning, like it was hard for her to also do that because she did feel, I guess, it may have been personal and it never was. So that's why I think, um, you know, that that communication is always going to be key and it's definitely easier to avoid it. And um, obviously the the trade-off of avoiding the tough conversations is going to be the fact that there's going to be a lot of stuff festering that eventually rears its head. And if you aren't, you know, if, if, if you really struggle to communicate well or, or manage your emotions, it often blows up into a, a disagreement or an argument that, you know, the next morning you're going, that, that was a complete waste of time and we yelled at each other for no reason whatsoever. And now, you know, I'm going to go crawling back saying, I'm really sorry for how I, how I, you know, spoke to you last night or how I acted or how I controlled my, whether it's anger or sadness or whatever, whatever it is that people are experiencing. So, uh, yeah, I think to go back to your, what you were sharing there, I think being able to, uh, understand who you are, take time for yourself and know what you're actually trying to gain from that time so that you don't carry frustration, resentment uh, through other areas of your life. And it doesn't just stop with your partner, right? It can be with work colleagues, uh, mates, all of that sort of stuff. Totally. Well said, man. So, and thanks for sharing that too. That's all right, man. Yeah. So, so <laughs> your mental health journey you know, now you're at a point where you're helping other men kind of reach their potential and take care of themselves. But what was your journey to this point? Because I can imagine it wasn't always smooth and definitely wasn't like a snap your fingers and it's the finished product. Yeah, I wish it was. Um, I don't really like to think like, I feel everyone has a rock bottom and I guess the what that rock bottom looks like or feels like for people is all um, relative to what we've experienced up until that point. For me, you know, I I grew up in a a great family, had great opportunities 
And I always wanted to be an athlete. I think where I grew up in a, in a small country town here in, in Australia there, um, that's where, what a lot of people wanted to do. And our idea of success was to be a good football, a good rugby league player or rugby union, which is a, a bigger sport over here. So I grew up wanting to always be that. But from a young age, I was a you know top level runner, um, 400, 800, and I you know was always placing top in the country, etc. So from a young age, I had a great support network around me. I had a good level of belief in my ability to succeed. And I guess when you have that, you realize that you can achieve more than maybe people who don't have that support around them or don't have the runs on the board to do that. And while that's awesome and I believe it's it's a great way to live, I also hadn't experienced many hardships um, in regard to, to failure or, or setback uh, purely because you know, the results were, were falling my way. So when I was about 14, uh, that's, you know, I had an asthma attack when I was running and that was really the first time I'd lost a, lost a race um, since you could have, I guess, what they were considered uh, competitive running from that age. So that was a hard thing to swallow, but it was also within that same year that I had uh, my first friend uh, take their life by suicide. He was found hanging in a bus shelter. And when I was at that age, 14, suicide was never spoken about ever. And especially where we were in a, in a country town, it was on the front page of the paper. They didn't talk about suicide. He was an extremely talented rugby player and runner. Um, but then it was just, you just move on. No one, there was never any counseling or, or support offered. But I just remember at that age, I was so upset and so sad. I kept the paper and I hid it under my bed because you couldn't talk. Like I didn't know how to talk and I didn't, there was no one to talk to about it. Um, so whenever, you know, I'd feel, feel sad or whatever, I'd pull that article out, read the article and just cry, but then hide it back under the bed because I was ashamed. So mental health was never something that I got to, I guess, talk about. And so it was also a sign of weakness. Uh, and as I got older, my brother experienced it um, and, you know, attempted to take his life. And I never really understood what that was like. So for me, I'm just like, you're, you know, you're weak, you're pathetic. I've had to deal with my mate you know, losing his life. I've had to deal with all these other setbacks that eventually came, just harden the fuck up and, and move on. And as a result, I pushed my brother away and I also suppressed more of what I was experiencing because the more I told my brother how to handle it, that's how I believed I had to deal with it as well. And as we all are aware, life's, life can be tough. Uh, there's definitely huge benefit in, in being able to talk about what's going on. And when I finished school, um, I went to play rugby and the, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, the goal was, you know, you've got to be the best, you've got to play professional and there was a heap of injuries, heap of setbacks that happened and while I was sort of riding that way for being in and being out of um, teams, you know, you, I had a long-term relationship but I was also cheating on her the whole time because there was something within myself that was missing and I wasn't quite sure what it was because I, I thought if I was, you know, continued to do what I was doing, which was uh, play you know, semi-professional and professional sport, everything should take care of itself, right? I thought mentally I should be thriving. Financially, I should have been thriving. Everyone should love me. No one should talk poorly about me. So I should be good. But as we're all very well aware that there's always going to be someone who talks poorly and disagrees with how you live your life. We're always going to have good days and we're always going to have bad days. Sometimes if you don't learn about managing money, you're probably not going to have much money. So I'm um, in you know, ultimately there's always going to be someone who's better, faster, 
bigger, stronger, better looking than you. So you have to continue to put the work in. And I'd just been coasting. Uh, and fortunately, while at the time it didn't feel like the best thing, uh, my partner of you know six years in broke up with me, which you know I knowing what I know now, she should have done that years ago with the way that I treated her. And it was the best slash worst thing that ever happened to me because it was at that point in my life I was like, okay, I'm you know I've had all this potential, I've had a lot of great opportunities, but I've blown opportunity after opportunity because of uh, you know whether it's uh, cheating, whether it's been injuries, whether it's been um, lying, manipulating, whatever it is, alcohol, drugs, all of that sort of stuff. But I just really hadn't been taking responsibility. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm going to hand my rugby uh, CV out to as many clubs in Europe as I possibly can. I'm getting the fuck out of here because I'm, I'm hurting being around my ex-partner because we're all friends as most people are. So I wanted to sort of run away for a bit and hopefully start fresh. And um, obviously, you know, the first three months were amazing overseas. You, you're the new guy. Opportunity's cool. The place is awesome. It's it's great fun. But what I then found myself in between training sessions, just sitting at home quite lonely and you're dealing with the same insecurities that I went over there with. Um, and that was probably the first time that I actually had to look at myself. And unfortunately, I didn't have the right mentors or, or guidance or I wasn't aware of self-development at that time. So um, after a while, I ended up back in Australia and just absolutely wrote myself off for nine months because once again, I'd blown the opportunity that I thought I had in France. And then I got back to Australia and I was like, well, I am absolutely stuffed now because sport's done and I have no idea what I'm going to do next because all I'd ever built my identity around was being the athlete. That was it. So yeah, I um, partied hard, took a lot of drugs, got to a point where I was, you know, I still remember the kinds of drugs that I was doing. And I was like, if I don't wake up from this, I I'm not worried. It's completely fine because I'm in so much pain. I hate who I am and I feel very lost. And I just, you know, I thought I'd be doing better than I'm doing. And, uh, you know, an event happened in my life, which was an extremely big wake up call for myself. We was in a, sorry, I was in a, um, physical, uh, a fight. And, um, that was a, a moment when I got arrested and, I remember just sitting at the bottom of this location where we were, just sitting there with the you know other people that had been involved in the the fight, just thinking to myself like I'm better than this. I've had you know so many great opportunities, and I'm acting like a complete thug. And I realized that the only reason why I was acting like a thug, and this it all just clicked to me, and I'd never read anything about it, but I was just like I I truly believe that I'm just looking for acceptance. And the only place that I was accepted at that point in my life was around people who were partying and looking for that loose friend who who does stupid stuff because that's a good laugh. But that wasn't who I wanted to be. And that, uh, you know, that was that real good wake-up call where I was like, I'm going to be better than this. And it felt like, and it wasn't, but it felt literally like weeks, weeks later, I uh, came down to Brisbane, which is about three hours west of where I lived, two hours west of where I lived, met my now wife, and that was a second second chance, and she was someone who held me to a higher standard. Uh, fortunately, with some people that she hung around, I was introduced to people who, you know, a bloke gave me a book called The Four Agreements, if you've read that, by Don Miguel Ruiz. And mm-hmm. that, that, that book literally, and something as simple as being given a book changed my life or changed my outlook on my life. And from ever since then, 2014 or end of 2013, I've just been on this journey to try and understand who I am, how I think, what I want, and be the best version of myself. And in the process, through 
documenting that journey on Instagram and Facebook and all that sort of stuff. I built a uh, built a following and eventually had people asking how you know how I changed my life around and why I think the way I think and how I'm so consistent, etc. And that led me to going, okay, well let's let's make a business out of something that I'm doing anyway because that way I um you know can have a, an incredible lifestyle and I started back to go what was the one thing that I feel would have changed my life without having to go through all the shit that I went through and for me it was being able to have access I mentioned earlier I didn't have great mentors or role models I just wanted to have mentors or role models like real life blokes that would tell me what it's like to live the life that they live so some are successful business owners others are incredible dads some have incredible nomadic lifestyles others um you know, just are just super happy. Others are extremely fit. I want you to tell me what it's really like to achieve that lifestyle. Don't just tell me what to do. Tell me the hardships that you experience, um, the failures that you had, the the negative thoughts that you experience, because that's going to set me up for what it really takes before I embark on that journey. Like, am I prepared to go through that or am I not? And um, we started with men's group and it's just evolved over the years to to what it is now, which is uh, very, very exciting to have, I guess, been able to build something that now helps thousands of men around the world. Holy cannoli, what a story. <laughs> I felt like awesome, I went on man. a tangent, but yeah. I, I guess ultimately yeah. we're trying to through – I'm a massive believer, Thomas, that, um, you know, and there's a lot of evidence and studies now showing that mental illness and mental well-being is there's a lot of factors outside of sorry mental illness that impact mental well-being like lifestyle factors relationships finances um, environment and all of these sorts of factors so that's why I'm you know very very driven to show people you know if if you're not doing those things in your life that's a very good place to start because I think a lot of people and once again I this is not professional advice. I, I still see a psychologist and use use your health professionals. They're incredible. They're incredible tools and resources. But us as individuals, I still think there's things that we often neglect to to dive into because we go straight for I'm completely fucked when it might just be that, you know, you might have just gone through a relationship breakdown. Anyone who loses something or someone that you love, you're bound to experience some trauma or some pain, and that's normal. But we just go, no, nah, I'm completely ruined here. I need to go to the, the deep end rather than just going, well, do you have a great support network around you? Have you been able to um, share what you're experiencing? And how do, you, how do you view yourself while you're experiencing that? And I think a lot of these things um, or alcohol use or lack of exercise are, are being neglected. Totally. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a ton to that, man. Well, <clears throat> thank you for sharing all that. and. I applaud you for being so transparent about transgressions you've made, particularly the cheating, because I think that like a lot of these taboos in our society, I think that actually the things we perceive as the polite thing of not talking about it or better just to not bring it up and avoid the tough conversation. That's how these things happen. You know, like maybe if there's a young person listening right now, a young man who we hear that part of your story and think, oh, okay, actually that's not something that's good to do. That's what I want to avoid. So I've also lost friends to suicide. I've I've been kind of deeply affected by it in the sense of like 
so many friends, man, way, way too fucking many. And it's blows my mind that it's something that is just not talked about and, and has that, you know, it, it's interesting. I feel like we have these, uh, this aversion to tough conversations because they're uncomfortable in the moment, but they actually lead to much more growth. And another thing I wanted to, that jumped out to me about that whole story is like agreed on professional help is better than anything that we can provide our friends. hundred like, percent. That's massive. But there's also an ownership and a power that comes from that ownership of saying, okay, I'm just going to do my own research. You know, none of these brilliant people, whoever somebody's personal hero is, they weren't just born with that. It took a lot of time and hard work and motivation and, and being self, a self-starter to go research and read and listen and find people to talk to. And I think that's something too that like kind of gets lost maybe, or, you know, instead instead of like adopting like a, a woe is me mindset, but just kind of taking control of someone's own life and, and going and, and finding that. So yeah, we that's ne- awesome. Yeah, man. we definitely, we definitely need to take ownership and take responsibility because I think one thing that's really important for us to understand in that, in regards to that is context is the greatest way to improve results or improve outcomes. Okay. So the only person who, or the person who has the greatest context of your life is you and the greatest person who has the greatest understanding and context of my life is me. I'm in my head 24-7. So some of us don't feel comfortable sharing things with other people, whether it's friends, professionals, etc. cetera. Um, but we know what it's like every day walking through our, uh, you know, a mile in our shoes. And I think because of that, that context that we have means we can have the greatest understanding around what's working well for us and what's not. But because, or once again, in my, from my own experience, Life is so fast-paced now, we never take time to slow down to really check in and go, well, today or the last week, I've been feeling extremely grateful and extremely happy and just ha- just just loving life. Why is that? We don't do that. We just carry on until it's not good. And then when life's not going well, more often than not, we just go, it sucks, I'm unhappy, I'm pissed off. And it's like, well, okay, that's normal, but Why? What's been going on over the last week or maybe even longer that's, you know, really starting to irritate you or could be not, once again, it might not be the reason for it, but it could be partial, uh, part of the reason or it could be the reason as to why you're, you're feeling or, or thinking this way. Many of us think negative thoughts consistently because over time we've been told we can't do this, we need to stay away from that. People focus on your failures and then you tend to focus more on that because it keeps you safe it keeps you away from the um the the ridicule that keeps you away from that painful feeling which cool if you want to live a very safe boring unfulfilled life that will work for you but many of us are so unfulfilled and unhappy because we're not pursuing something bigger than ourselves we know that we're holding ourselves back and because we're holding ourselves back we then get stuck in ruts and it's like well i want to do more but i don't know that first step and that first step has to start with us and it has for us to be going, okay, well, you know, currently for me, the one thing that I believe is holding me back is belief in self. Okay, well, what can I do to believe in myself a little bit more? Is it that I need to change my whole opinion of how I see myself? So let's look at my self-worth slash self-esteem or is it just my ability with this one thing? You know, it might be going to talk to new people as we've, we're speaking about offline. Like, is it... um. 
you know, do I get really uncomfortable and nervous about making new friends when I know that I need to make new friends to improve my quality of life? Okay, if that's where we need to start, then let's just focus on that. Let's start by just talking to one new person a day. It's going to feel terrible. You're going to mumble your words. They might not want to talk to you. That's completely okay, but come back again tomorrow and again the next day and the next day and then reflect about what went well. Was it your posture when you walked up to that person? Did you feel like you communicated well or did you mumble? Like for me, Thomas, I know all I ever wanted and this is back when I back in the day, all I want, ever wanted was to earn a million dollars because I thought that would validate who I was as a person. But as I started reading more, I realized, you know, the best way to earn more money is to hang around people who have more money because they're going to ask questions that you need to ask. They're going to be able to share the hardships, what you need to understand about everything through that growth period. But I also was very well aware that, you know, seven-figure owners wouldn't want to spend much time around a person like me unless I was paying them a lot of money. And one, I didn't have a lot of money at that time. So my only other, I guess, option was to become someone that seven-figure earners wanted to hang around. And what what did I believe that person needed to be? Well, I needed to be someone who was well-spoken. I needed to be someone that I believe would add value to those people. So I became I began to read more, attend, uh, attend events, slowly network with people who were experts in something that I wasn't because it helped me become... Uh, more valuable in conversation. And once again, when I say more valuable, I don't want people to think that it's about climbing this ladder or anything like that. It's not about being better or worse, but it's just about value. What can you provide to people? Because I, you know, for me, I want to, my environment and the people that I spend time around is, is very protected because I don't want to hang around people who talk about fucking stuff that I was talking about 10 years ago, which didn't add any value to my life. And it's not because I'm better than those where those people are. It's just different. So I want to hang around people that are like-minded, that are going to challenge me and empower me to grow. That's what I want. And therefore, I limit my time with people who are talking about those things unless they're, they're a client because that's what they're investing in themselves for. And it's not what, yeah. So I think it's very important to once again, not be in that victim mindset, but what can I do to better improve where I'm going? And if right now those I don't have access to those kinds of people or I don't, can't afford that, what can I do to get myself to there? That's that, that's that next step for me. Right? All of us want to hit a home run, but there's a lot of steps that come into play before hitting a home run. Absolutely. I think too what you're describing as far as back in the day, you know, make a million bucks, be a pro athlete, live abroad, and, and everything's going to be happy days. I think that is this kind of unspoken agreement or unwritten contract that society hands out to everyone. Because, yeah, we never signed a dotted line as kids saying, hit these marks and you're going to be golden. But somehow, so many kids, depending on their environment, end up with these same pretty arbitrary goals that they base their self-worth on. And what you're doing is kind of taking the power away from that conglomerate abstract force that drives almost everyone and actually saying, hold on, I'm going to think about what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of conversations do I want to have? What are my inputs? Who is cure? Who, you know, are the people curating the thoughts in my head and the conversations that I listen to? And what are my goals? And, and I think that it's cool, man. Cause I've, 
you know, I've, I've been working in sales for the last four years. So four or five years out of college. And what I've learned from the, that's this whole experience. I don't, I don't expect to be in sales forever. Um, I expect to have my own business at some point and be selling it at that point. But you know, I don't, it's not my goal to be in this kind of specific sales job forever. But what I've taken away is that sales is a very simple process because a lot of it is just making a strategy and having the discipline to execute it. But that's where the challenge comes in. It's very simple. It's also very challenging because it takes consistent execution. And same thing with these kind of concepts that you're laying out, right? Because it's really, it's great to wake up one day and be really motivated. Like, yeah, today, this, my goal is to learn about international macroeconomics and to be able to know about Forex and the you know, US dollar against these other currencies and imports and exports and what's the political situation in the Philippines. But <laughs> if, if, I, if I lose that the next day, then cool. Like, you basically, I basically just wasted my time. Right. Because having a goal for a second, being distracted by it, and then just not following up on it is <laughs> pointless. Yeah. It's pointless, but it's so common. It's very, and what I don't want to speak like I've never done any of this and I haven't got distracted or anything like that. I still get distracted. And, <laughs> um, I definitely do. But what I've learned over the years, especially having my company for the last five years, is you know I choose to do less things but give more time to it and become really really good at it. Uh, whereas in the beginning I thought I had to have my hand, or my finger in every pie and be doing multiple things and it made me extremely. And don't get me wrong, I still feel busy now, but I was even busier back then. And I thought ah, that's the way to success and that's the way people will respect me is if I'm always on the go and always doing things. But as I've you know gotten older and, and understood what I want from my life and how I want my business to sort of fit into that, not the other way around, it's made it easier to work out. Okay, well, how can I provide the the value and the service that I want to 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 my mates and to my clients and to our members, while also still being very fulfilled and happy with you know my current lifestyle? And the biggest thing that sort of goes back to what you were just saying was like it's just to not get distracted. It's more so. What do I need to learn right now that's going to have the biggest, uh, going to allow me to have the biggest improvement in where I'm currently at in my life? And sometimes, you know, it might be reading a, a fiction book just to just switch my brain off from anything that's serious to get creative, or it might be going to play the guitar or surf. Whereas other times it might be, you know, I need to improve how I deliver my sales pitch. It might be how I need to implement some systems or processes into my business. It might be, spending time training up my assistants, et cetera. Like, so there's always something that we can be doing, but it's also making sure you don't just go, yeah, that's good today, but tomorrow it's completely irrelevant. And I guess that's how we can make ourselves less busy as well is, is when you're clear on who you are as an individual and what you want to create for your life, it makes it a whole heap easier to decide the things that you can give time to and the things that you want to give time to and also how you can say no to, you know, what things you should be saying no to because a lot of us are people pleasers. A lot of us don't want to miss out on things, which I can completely relate to. But if you really also want to, you know, if you have big goals around what you want to achieve for your life and I guess how you want to be as a person, that also requires time and time means where you're spending it somewhere, you're sacrificing it somewhere else. So it, you need to be very, very mindful of how that works for you. Totally. Every, almost every person I perceive to be successful or autobiography I've read about successful people 
has a pretty extended period of their life where they are just hermits essentially, or just so deep in their tunnel of what they're focused on that they kind of, they lose relationships or lose idle time or socialization or whatever the thing that they choose to prioritize uh, against. And I think that's part of too, like maybe you get messages from people who are like, how do I have what you have? I want to start a business or that kind of thing. And I'd be curious to hear how many people actually want to sit and listen to you tell this whole story and be like, well, (laughs) (laughs) it it, it takes a lot of work. And I don't think to be honest, like, I've had a lot of people who've gone through my programs and stuff and they've tried to do exactly as I do and they're not here. Like they're not, they're not doing it. And I think it's very important to once again be very clear on why you want to have a business as opposed to work for someone else. And this can, you know, you can ask yourself that question across any area. Why do you want to be strong versus athletic or why do you want to be aerobically fit as opposed to anaerobically fit or whatever it is? Why do you want to be a good partner as opposed to a, a, a single single person or married as opposed to single? Um, and there's no right or wrong. It's, it's all relative to you as an individual and once again, what you want. But the reason why I get up every day and I have for the last five years, I continue to pr- produce content. I've got a thriving business, but I also have really other you know great things around myself is because I'm very clear on what I want and why I do what I do. Like I, I did, I had my business before I was getting paid. I did three, four years of dishing out my whole story, producing um, podcasts, chatting with people, running events before it was even a company, before it was even a business. And to this day, the reason why I still am on the phone with people when I don't need to be is because I love that element. That's why I get up and do it. It's not about the the income that it's generated for me or the lifestyle that it's created. It's the fact that, you know, I even got a, I just posted it before. I had a message from a client. He put up a post who uh, would have was going to take his life a year ago and I just shared it there. Um, but you know, I got to work with him through that whole process. Um, and it was, it was fucking so challenging, but I also could deeply, and you know, I work with people that I would have a beer with. If I don't, if I wouldn't have a beer with a person, I'm not the right fit to work with, work with people in these, these sorts of situations. And he's just written now how like it's, you know, going through what we went through, um, has completely changed his life. It was extremely challenging. He needed his hand held through that process, but he, you know, he's sharing that now because he wants other people who are going through what he went through to know that it's possible to come out the other side and thrive, not just live a mediocre life, but you can literally get yourself into a, a frame of mind where life is fucking exciting. And that's all I want because when I think about, I had opportunity as a young kid. There are a lot of people who don't have opportunity, don't have parents or all this sort of stuff. So if we can give people that hope, if we can make better men in the society that give back and give those people who don't have that opportunity, that is that is the greatest thing I can do. And it sounds so cliche because, you know, a lot of people say it, but it, it's legitimately why I am still standing when other people aren't. And I'm not saying my business has been easy because it hasn't. And it still has days where you go, man, I don't want to do this. I definitely don't want to do this. But you do it because you know you know you get stuff like that every now and then that you're like yeah. this is all worth it. That's awesome, man. So you're, that is touching on 
one of the conversations that we've been exploring here over the past few months, which is what are the elements of healthy or mature masculinity for you? Because we've defined really well by, with society the the traits that are toxic, right? The things that we've kind of identified, okay, those are those are bad. So for, for you, for Lockie, what are the elements of the kind of man that you strive to be? So for me personally, I just want to be happy. And when, when we talk about masculinity, I want to be obviously be able to really articulate what's going on in my mind. And I don't believe I'm perfect at that. There's still some situations in my life where I haven't done that yet. I haven't had the conversations that I've had I have I need to have with certain people. I haven't created the relationship where I can feel I can be vulnerable with that that person. And that's stuff that I'm working towards because there's there's definitely this a part of me that still wants to uphold this tough guy um, element. And you know, I can justify it in a million different ways to to whoever I want to, but I know deep down it's something that I I'm chipping away at to slowly build that, break that down with. But for me, um, Thomas, I want to, I believe how I want to live my life is someone who's like a man of integrity. I want to do the things that I want to do. I want to hang around the people that I want to hang around. I want to talk about what I want to talk about um, based off my experiences until I'm, uh, have been shown otherwise, because there are a lot of people and, you know, going back to, I guess, that toxic masculinity conversation that was happening for a very long time, it's, it's even hard to have a conversation around that because especially as a cisgender white male, it's like I'm coming from a position of privilege just based off of that. But then I can't share my experiences based around what it's been like to be me because I'm automatically just said, stop talking, mate. You don't understand what any of us have been like. But here I am as an individual. I've, I experience things as well. And it's not, you know, male, uh, white males have one of the highest rates of suicide. And, you know, this conversation doesn't get to happen because, once again, we're in that privileged position. But with privilege comes responsibility, right? And responsibility not everyone wants. But we get, like you said earlier, we get given, um, I guess, certain beliefs or, or stereotypes around how we should think, act, and behave. And not all of us fit into that. No, I, I don't fit into your generic, uh, I guess, coach for, for maybe people who works with, you know, multi-seven-figure income earners and stuff because I still, you know, normally I have a beer but I've got a moustache at the moment for November but I still swear I still have a, a pretty ochre accent for, for an Australian bloke and <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I don't want to change that because this is who I am and I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm prepared to talk about anything that's going on in my life with the intention to hopefully help other men out there realize that, you know, it's okay to have these thoughts and have these um, conversations. But I think there is definitely um, masculine traits and this can, you know, masculine doesn't just fall on blokes. It's, it's with females as well. Okay. That are needed there at certain points in time. And we need to learn, I guess, how to emotionally regulate and turn them on and turn them off at various points in my points in our life. Right. When, I'm running a business. I need to be very masculine in in the meaning of I need to have great leadership. I need to be very decisive. But when I'm in my relate, uh, when I'm with my wife, for example, I don't always need to lead because we can we can balance that out. And based on what's going on in our relationship at that point, we can work that out as we go. But I think, um, unfortunately, as the 
as we all get so universally connected, we feel that everyone should have the same way of thinking, acting, and behaving as you know, as you should, right? We live in completely different countries. We've had completely different experiences. Our governments are different. Um, our beliefs are different. So it would be very easy for me to say you need to think exactly how I think. Um, you need to treat people in your society the exact same way that I treat people because that's the way we do it. But based on, you know, you look at different religions um, and all of this sort of stuff, there's different hierarchies, there's different structures around how things work and we're not accepting of that. And I'm, I'm really trying to – I like listening into the conversation, I guess, around masculinity and stuff because, you know, I grew up in a, a country town, Thomas, and there hasn't been much evolution in regards to – how men and women treat each other in, in the dynamics of a relationship and, and their roles. Therefore, you know, people on farms, uh, it's generally the blokes are out farming and, and um, doing a lot of the physical work throughout the day, but then the wives or the uh, the females are the ones who are looking after the homestead, who are cleaning the clothes. And it's not to belittle anyone either way. It's just that's the roles that have worked. But that doesn't work for me and my wife in the in the middle of the Brisbane city my wife's got a bigger bigger career than I do. So we, we, we sort of navigate that and as a result of navigating what our relationship dynamic is like, it has helped us understand, okay, well, where do we sort of balance out our masculine and our feminine traits within our relationships to make it a successful one? And some people may look at our relationship and go, that's ridiculous. And other people go, that's, that's what we want. And so I think when we're having this conversation around traits of masculine you know you can jump on google for anyone listening you can there's a whole there's plenty of them but there will be like specific traits that are considered masculine and there are specific traits that are considered feminine and depending on what context they're used in they can be not helpful or considered toxic or there can be times where that will save your fucking life right and i think that is that is often over overlooked with the with the conversation. I know I went on a huge tangent yeah. there, sorry, but <laughs> no, no, it, it's good, man. That's why that's why you're the guest, man. I, I I agree. There are times when someone needs to step up and take control of the situation. Like Kendall and I were driving over a pass in Colorado in a snowstorm, and we had no chains and we had a two wheel drive car, which is like <laughs> risky beyond fucked. Like so, so <laughs> stupid. Yeah. like so stupid, you know, but I was like, all right, well it started dumping as we were on the road trying to summit the pass. And it was like, okay, we can't stop. So let's go like buckle up, babe. Like <laughs> that is you know, wild. we're fucked if we stop because no one's coming, <laughs> you know, <laughs> But yeah, I, th- I think the yeah, the, it's an interesting one on the the identity conversation and the kind of how we en- try to enter it as white straight white guys. Um, my take on it is that I still voice and still speak up and give my perspective, and also in the same breath acknowledge that I understand the privilege that I carry with me. And that I'm not trying to 
just tell it how it is. I'm more offering my perspective. And, and I think that in the U.S. at least, one of the reasons that these more subliminal and more structural types of racism persist is because white people don't talk about it. So by me actually speaking up and maybe putting my foot in my mouth sometimes, it's, it's, for, a, it's for a net positive. Um, Definitely. And I, yeah, and I like what you said too because, you know, if we don't let people speak – Maybe there's someone who has a different identity than you, but they hear you talk and they benefit from it. So what's the, what's worse there? Is it worse that, you know, a white man gets to speak or is it worse that someone, or sorry, yeah, like, is it, is it, what's more valuable rather is the question. What's more valuable, right? To have some, not you, to have you not talk or to have someone with a different identity benefit, right? I, I don't. I think it's possible to kind of acknowledge privilege and understand that there are things that I don't understand mm. and I have a role to play in changing the future for the next generation. And also I'm still a human and I'm allowed to speak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we literally going back to what I was saying earlier with the more you understand about what's actually going on and you gain that through, obviously you can read history and see what's playing out in the world, but also speaking to people who are actually living it. It helps you make a more informed decision to base your, your comments on or, or whatever it is, your beliefs on, because I don't know what it's like to, to have gone through generations of racism or suppression or anything. I have no idea what that feels like. I definitely want to understand because I wholeheartedly think it's the most, the you know, the fact, I watched a film the other day on Netflix called Harriet. I'm sure it would be in the States as well, um, but it was about slavery. And I, my wife and I are just sitting there and going, I cannot believe that this shit happened. But there would also have been stuff going on in that life that made white men think that they could have power or maybe it was a taste of power that, you know, when people seem to get power and we see this in politics all the time, they seem to just take advantage of it. Uh, so I, I would definitely love to, and you know, this is why I think it's so fascinating for people to, if they're fortunate that their parents are still around, to utilise the, the life experience that they have and the knowledge that they have just to inform you on maybe why you, we are the way we are. Because they're, they're, you know, my parents are what 60, 60 years old, so I can learn a whole heap of stuff from them and the experiences that they've had and how they spoke to each other that can help me understand maybe some some traits that I have that potentially I want to get rid of or some that I that I enjoy. But a lot of us really just tend to neglect experience from other people and just go straight to what's written in the paper or what's on the news, and it's like often that is. Uh, portrayed in a way that's going to manipulate you to believe a certain thing rather than allowing you to go, this is what's really happening. Go speak to a hundred people who've walked in that position and, and then you can get a, I guess, a, uh, an overview of what it's like for, for whatever it is that you're looking to learn about. But often, you know, that takes too much time for the average person to, to do. So we make these, you know, we, we go to things that are really uninformed and, hold on to that you know covid's a perfect example people are grabbing information from all over the place and just believing it as gospel and it's like fuck man just do some due diligence but then do more and more and more and more and more and find out who 
the credibility of where that's come from, who it's come from, how it's been, you know, how that conclusion's come. Like, but once again, life's so busy, going back to, I guess, touching on to a number of things that we've spoken about, we live in such a fast-paced life that we don't, people can't afford for that to be put our trust in various people or, or things to, to do that for us. And sometimes it works really well and other times it doesn't. Beautiful, man. Well, the time has flown, so we're going to pivot over to the, the three things game. I can't so, wait for this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so whoever's birthday is coming up next uh, goes first. So what month is your birthday in? February. Okay, it's you, my friend. Here's your question. What are the three best ways to resolve a conflict? That is a great question. I would say... One, seek to understand. I think that's the most important for me is if I can seek to understand, it's going to generally it, um, will allow them to voice what's going on for them. It'll help me understand how they've come to that conclusion, but it also allows that person to feel heard. And I, I often find when people feel, feel like their uh, opinion is valued and heard that I guess uh, – Energy where it's like they have to be have to be right drops, and then they're more willing to listen to my point of view. And even if we um, disagree on the outcome, it's more civil than if I don't. You know, we don't create that space. So they're probably the the three steps: seek to understand, show empathy, and uh, hopefully create the space where they feel like they can do that as well. Nice, I like it. So communicate empathy actually try to understand where they're coming from yeah, and then create a container where that person feels comfortable being honest. Yeah. Nice. Nice one. Okay. My question, what are three, what are the three lessons that have taken me the longest to learn? Ooh. I also think that I have this self-worth from the macho thing going on that I'm still figuring out how I want to approach. Cause part of me likes, you know, like on Saturday, I absolutely smashed somebody. We were defending <laughs> on our own five meter line. Yeah. You no. Know, and it was like their big 12 and he came running in and it's like, boom, like done. And it felt so fucking good. You know, like it was, it was awesome. And I love that. But I also understand that like this, these bodies are temporary, you know, mm. you see an older guy, we're in the gym. He was probably pumping, you know, pumping iron, but now he's just frail and old and, you know, like that's just the way it is. So I don't, I don't want to base that forever, you know, on my, or, yeah, I have to figure out, this is a good one to do in therapy. Like how much of that is okay. And how much of it do I want to have as a priority or as like a, a source of self-worth? It's mm. a really good. The second one that happened pretty recently, I would say is kind of, like releasing and accepting that like my current girlfriend is awesome and I need to let go of the opportunity cost of what if, what if I stay single and have more fun or what if X, Y, Z, you know, and like that was like a really big one. It actually took us breaking up briefly for me to be like, hold on, hold on, wait, no, (laughs) like, nope, not worth it. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, so that was a big kind of um, hurdle that I recently overcame, and I think that it was 
one of the last kind of blocks of me stepping through to manhood, falling, falling into place. Because in a lot of my life, I have the more mature side and I have, you know, I, I run this program because it's interesting to me. But that was something that wasn't really in alignment that I didn't, didn't really realize at first. Um, and I think too, like, I think we both have this as social people. I, I kind of always have to remind myself to be aware that some people don't have that gift of gab and, and kind of uh, a chat or hanging out talking might make them might be a big hurdle for them, you know, and I kind of always have to remind myself of that to be aware and not just assume that everyone else, you know, is, is interested or able to talk and maybe a conversation is like a big thing for them. And I should kind of be, you know, aware of that and sensitive to it. Hang on. That was awesome. Three great points. Nice. Thanks, man. Yeah. Awesome. Lucky. Well, folks can go check out the man that can project.com. What are they going to see over on your site over there? You can just see uh, what we've got. We've obviously got a big online academy with blokes from all around the world, but also our podcast is on there. And yeah, we have a, a Facebook community, um, but all everything falls under the man that can project. But if you head over there, you can find out. And if anything strikes your interest, go check it out. If not, not wasted much time at all nice (laughs) (laughs) awesome man well thank you so much for the time dude it's been it's been a real pleasure and thank you so much for having me on mate i I appreciate the opportunity and it's always good to connect with new people and uh chew the fat absolutely (laughs) thanks man have a good day you too see you brother